Friday, November 17th. Welcome to the Damon Bruce Show. It's great to have you here. What a week it's been. Very dramatic week here in the Bay Area. A dramatic week 11 underway with a Thursday nighter that was season altering for both teams involved. And we got some stuff to get into today for sure. Thank you for being here. Uh, all you mofos on a mofo Friday. It is good to see you. The room is full of regulars, and uh, thank you so much for stopping on by once again. Are you ready for Brock 2.0? Feels like you know you need like an off season before you'd get to Brock 2.0, and 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 you know he should be a little bit more even evolved than that. But no, really, what we've had is a full season of football from Brock Purdy in terms of games started. A little bit more than that, he started 18 regular season games at this point in his career. But the reason why this is now Brock 2.0 is because there are officially expectations that are attached to him. This is no longer like, hey, hope the young guy does well. He's got data points of production that don't suggest he's lucky to be here or this is a really nice start. The data points that he is producing, If look at it this way. If for a minute any of these were attached to Trey Lance, Trey Lance would be declared one of the single greatest quarterbacks in the history of football early on in his career. Uh, had any of these numbers been attached to like any other quarterback with a huge pedigree or reputation, you'd have shows fawning all over these statistics, but these statistics are paired with a player that no one wanted to anoint the next best thing coming. And is it still too early to do that with Brock? Yes. Small sample size. I get it. But... We all have to acknowledge that Brock Purdy's been playing like a seasoned veteran since his very first game, basically. Like, we, we were comparing him to state-of-the-art quarterbacks instantly, not his own draft class, not any other rookies. He was being compared to, well, who's the best in the game? Almost instantly. What is actually going to happen when this guy becomes a seasoned veteran? Like, how much better can you actually get well, here comes another matchup with a former number one overall picket quarterback against Mr. Irrelevant, who is creating some data points, as I keep on bringing up, that are very relevant that you would think, especially when you apply them to so early in one's career. David Lombardi posted a little article, uh, an article in The Athletic, and then he, he, he put up a YouTube video that I watched, and it's something that I didn't even know about. So, you know, we are in a new measurement of statistics boom. There are so many new things and and it, it's a it's a statistical revolution in football. So there's all sorts of different ways to not just measure, you know, yards, touchdowns, and interceptions, but what yards do you produce in terms of per average quarterback producing in the same scenario against this coverage as opposed to that coverage as opposed to what you're seeing on first down as opposed to what you're seeing on third down. There are efficiencies being measured in every conceivable way against every conceivable defense in all offensive scenarios. I mean, it's almost too much, to be totally honest with you. You know, the question, are we measuring things because they're important, or are we just measuring things because we now know how to measure them? That's a legitimate question when it comes to the accumulation of sports statistics. Anyway, right now, Brock Purdy in the NFL is the most efficient quarterback in the NFL against all defensive coverages, anything a team throws at him, anything, any defense, blitz heavy, 3-4, 4-3, all types of coverages, cover two, man, zone, partial zones, umbrella, shell, whatever, like all the different coverages that you can rattle off yourself. Brock Purdy is the best in the NFL against all of them. Like, how's that even possible? That's something that you would expect of a Hall of Famer six, seven, eight years into there, it's going to be a Hall of Fame career, right? That's something you would expect out of Patrick Mahomes, who was like, as on day one that he started, as much of a, oh my God, arrival as we've ever seen. But nope, it's Brock Purdy. 
It's Brock Purdy right now. David Lombardi writes, he's been accurate and efficient against all coverages to all levels of the field. In fact, Brock Purdy's passer rating of 142.2 leads all NFL quarterbacks on throws of 25 yards or more downfield. Perhaps most remarkably, Purdy has generated the fourth most EPA per uh, that's expected points available, expected points averaged um, on quarterback scrambles. Not only is he throwing with more efficiency than anyone, he's one of the most efficient scramblers in all of football and is putting up better numbers with his legs. Then Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears. Like, what can't this kid do very well? I, I, I don't see it. They haven't measured it. They haven't really found it yet. Oh, but those interceptions in those few weeks at the end. Of, uh-huh. Okay. So there's that. Anything else? No? Then I guess there's really nothing to complain about. It's an extraordinary start to a career. And if it keeps on tracking like this, almost look at it this way. Let's assume Brock Purdy doesn't improve. Well, as he sits right now, he is among the best at what he does in football. The arguments against Brock are, again, they're, 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 they're spaghetti strainers. They hold zero water, nothing. They hold nothing. Trent Williams said this week that Brock Purdy with the final pick of the NFL draft, was like winning a $2 billion Powerball jackpot. I mean, Trent Williams is has been around this league. You're not going to fool him. You're not going to get him quoting things like that on the record unless he really believes that there is something there to be that excited about. And Trent Williams was one of the first guys to like spot how good this guy might be. You've heard the story of him walking off the practice field going like, who's this third stringer? Who the hell's this kid? Want to see more of him? Never heard anything like that from Trent about Trey Lance. You just didn't. So what a start to a career. And now it's the burden of expectations. And they should be on Brock. He has earned that. Like with great power comes great responsibility. And Brock has an incredible amount of football power in that arm right now. And the responsibility of leading this team into the win column, you know, it, it should fall on him a little bit more than as opposed to three, four weeks ago when everyone insisted it had to be this collective group effort. And it always does need to be. There is no one man who changes the prospects of one football team that much. It is the most coordinated dance in sports. But what a dancing partner. Brock Purdy has been so far. Really unbelievable. So here come the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the fabulous Baker Mayfield boys rolling into town. Uh, and, and as we were saying yesterday, yesterday, you know, the number one overall pick in the draft needed to mature coming out of Oklahoma with a Heisman Trophy, right? He needed to get a lot better before he settled into who he is. The Browns gave up on him. He goes to Carolina. He gets humbled there, humbled in Los Angeles. And now he is in Tampa a little wiser, a little older, a little smarter. And he's having a very good year throwing for over 2,100 yards, 14 touchdowns, five interceptions. He's completing 65% of his passes with the lowest sacked percentage of his career. He's got some talent around him. He's getting some protection and he's been better. This is a 28 year old better than before Brock, uh, excuse me, Baker Mayfield. So this is no pushover game. And as we said again yesterday, against the run, they just held Derrick Henry to 24 yards on 11 carries. You know, you got Vita Vea in the middle of your defensive line. On that alone, you're a handful. So this is a team that knows how to shut down the run. The 49ers are obviously a team that does not that want that run shut down on them. And we'll see what Christian McCaffrey's got. Debo back two weeks in a row now should get an even bigger, better performance out of him. Um, this defensive line, it, it joined the season last week. 
It felt that way in Jacksonville. It really joined the season. The unlocking of Nick Bosa is something we talked about this week. Chase Young, Eric Armstead, Kinlaw, Randy Gregory, Drake Jackson, if he finds himself back in the mix at some point, everyone should be benefiting from how this all now fits together. Steve Wilkes is down from on high. People are excited. You should be. Sip of the day. There it is. That was a good one. Hmm. Perfect. Perfect temperature. Buccaneers offense has got two huge weapons in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Their tight end, Cade Otten, is definitely involved. He is a third target. Uh, you take away one of those, and you know, the, the Mike Evans or Chris Godwin both need to have monster days, I think, for the Buccaneers to be in and win this game. Uh, the Buccaneers might be down a right tackle. We'll see what uh um the the status on Luke it is it Gadecki or Gadecki um he's been absent from practice dealing with a foot injury again that would go into the 49ers got to have a bit of an advantage there if they can't start one of the better right tackles in the league and for the Niners to really come out and beat the Bucks and handle business and take care of the afternoon like stay hot George Kittle stay hot Nick Bosa stay efficient Brock Purdy and if this team doesn't give away free possessions, protects the ball, runs the ball, stays ahead of the chains, this should be a Niners win. It's a game that they need. It's a game that they got to put into the win column. Um, you know, what is, what, what's my single hottest take if you needed? Like, Damon, we need a hot take. Have you got one for us? All right. I mean, I thought about it. And here it is. Are you ready for the hot take? I'm not saying that the winner of this game is automatically a be going to be crowned champion of anything. But how about this? The loser of this game between the 49ers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers will not be winning the Super Bowl. There you go. There's my super flaming hot take. I don't even like the saying hot take, but I really do believe that. If the Niners are the team that we think think they can be, that they suggested in Jacksonville they can become again. This is not a game that gets away from a Super Bowl champion, an eventual Super Bowl champion. This one goes in the win column. If you are going to really rise to the level of this is the team that will represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, you handle your business against a team that is built to have your business handled with. So, we know the Buccaneers aren't winning anything. So really, this really only applies to the... If the Niners win this game, they're still on track for contention. If they lose this game, it's a red flag. It's a red flag coming off of what was, you know, a green flag and a checkered flag down in Jacksonville. So fascinating, fascinating weekend of football is certainly coming up and around the corner. While you're watching a little football on Sunday, you know, you got a, a one o'clock start, which means you might be looking for a little lunch. Why not get a Jamie Sirewich? That's one of my favorites at Ike's. It's a chicken sandwich with golden barbecue sauce on it. I like to throw red onions on anything, a little Godfather sauce, a little lettuce, tomato, it's delicious. It's one of my favorite fried chicken sandwiches out there. The chicken tenders that that Ike gets, I even get those for the kids, the chicken fingers. They get all excited. I'm like, these are the big boy chicken fingers, boys. And they get excited when they see those. It, as opposed to even like the, the little dinosaur ones that we heat up in our own oven. But we usually get some nuggets for the boys, some chicken fingers for the boys. The same chicken fingers are on the Jamie Sirewich. It is a delicious sandwich. I highly recommend it. Try one this weekend and use the Ike's Reward app when you order. You can start earning your way to free sandwiches. And if that doesn't sound good to you, well, we're not even speaking the same language. I guess we can't be friends. Go and check out my friend Ike. He's got a delicious lunch waiting for you. And chances are you live in within a delivery range. Check out that Ike's Reward app. Also, we want to say 
Thank you so much to our good friends at Uncle Boys, who will bring, bring us the Michael Urban Good for Ball, Bad for Ball segment a little bit later on. So very much looking forward to that. And I want to tell you about MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the place to go if you're looking to make some wagers this coming weekend. Use promo code DAMON to get yourself up to a 50% deposit match at mybookie.ag, up to $1,000 using promo code DAMON. There is a robust casino. This is a cruise ship in international waters, so there are no rules. There's just great odds and parlays and an awful lot of fun ways to make this interesting, uh, this weekend more interesting for those of you who like to, you know, play a little bit, shall we say. Uh, We're going to have... A club plus coming up again. I see so many uh, good friends and and familiar faces. Love it. Uh, Days is saying, Damon, I'm ready to rock out with my Brock out. I knew one of those was coming sooner or later. There's no doubt about that. Uh, we got Smiley Dan, who is uh, is he safe? Is he in a safety meeting? I bet you he's safe. I count on Smiley Dan to be safe. He, he runs a very good safety meeting. I think he has the right things to tell people about to stay safe. Uh, Irwin with the coffee again. By the way, uh, I backed Damon up with a full size of his favorite beans along with a short strand from uh, Andy Town. And I- I'm telling you, I am caffeinated. I'm definitely caffeinated. There's no doubt about that. And I have, uh, I had a little bit of the Andy's town left, like not enough to make an entire carafe. So I actually combined a little bit of Andy's town left with a little bit of fills. I got my own blend going on here is the remix, the coffee remix. By the way, speaking of remixes, my boy, Jason McBride is coming into town for this, uh, uh, 49ers Buccaneers game this weekend. And we just found out uh, that uh, we got a couple of last minute tickets to Lauren Hill dumped on us. And I'm going to go see Lauren Hill tonight. I mean, the miseducation of Lauren Hill and uh, one or two of those Fuji's albums was huge. I'm looking forward to it. I heard that this chick is as late as Axl Rose's to Guns N' Roses concerts. Like she is a total diva. She's probably not hitting the stage until about 10 o'clock. Which, considering the time McBride's flight gets here, that that fits into my schedule very, very well. But looking forward to all that, and I need to be officially caffeinated, and I am. It's a large sample size. It's not a schmau shampoo size. As Rockin' New Era 84 points out, uh, we will get back into your chats. Uh, Nathaniel Richards, Chef A, everybody out there, Leslie, oh my God, True Blue, Michelle, all the all the regular old dirty hungus is in there. He even did a Costco run before he started the show. Rick Mightybone Feliciano. There we go. Good morning. Good morning this morning. Good morning. Good morning this morning. Good morning. And if you're watching this later on this evening, good evening. By the way, the uh, the channel has really been just doing great the last couple of days. Uh, thanks to a requiem for Oakland. Thanks to a few other videos that have been put up. Um, I, I thank you so much for supporting the channel and watching and clicking. Uh, let's see, we're growing subscribers by the moment. We are what twenty one. Well, I'm not going to do the math on that. I'm terrible at math, but we're, yeah, we're about 33 subscribers away from 9,200. So it keeps on ticking up, ticking up, ticking up. And I thank you all so very much for doing that. Um, week 11, ticking up in terms of interest and what's on the line. And it started last night with Bengals and Ravens. And that game likely ruined the destination of either of these teams' season. First of all, there's Joe Burrow, who couldn't even grip a football. His hand was injured, and whether or not it's the degree of injury on Joe Burrow's hand was properly reported as something that the NFL is looking into. He came off the plane with a compression sleeve on. There are a lot of people who wear compression things on airplanes to cut down swelling. That's not abnormal. But how he hurt his hand, when he hurt his hand— how honestly the Bengals reported it, like the NFL's looking into that. When you get into the world of gambling, all of a sudden your injury reports and how you go about talking about them are going to be scrutinized like never before. 
So welcome to the world you invented for yourself, NFL. Um, Mark Andrews, tight end for the Ravens, suffered an ugly, bad ankle, broken ankle last night, and he is out the rest of the season. That guy is a huge part of the Ravens' offense. So both the Bengals and the Ravens took tough losses. And look, the the Bengals are done. The, The Bengals were going to have to play hair-on-fire football to just really climb back into the conversation with Joe Burrow out and their schedule about to get brutal. They're basically done. Week 11's got some really interesting stuff for us. Some really interesting stuff coming up. Uh, We got Steelers and Browns. That's a big game. Even though Deshaun Watson isn't playing, that's that's a big game. That's, That's a big game in that division. We got Raiders and Dolphins. Kind of an interesting game. You know, are the Raiders reborn under their interim head coach or is this all smoke and mirrors and yeah they beat two New York teams and now they're about to go get skinned alive back in Miami like I I would bet on that I think happening but this is one of those games like if Dolphins if you lose this one your credibility evaporates right there on that football field so big game for the Dolphins Seahawks and Rams is a big game. It's a division game, obviously, in the NFC West, and that matters to Niners fans to keep an eye on. But this is a a Rams team that is coming off of a bye week. We know that the Rams have struggled a little bit this year, but you give McVay a bye, and here come the Seahawks. That game could be more interesting than Seattle wants it to be. Vikings and Broncos all of a sudden is more strangely interesting than anyone expected it to be three or four weeks ago. That game, like all of a sudden, what if I told you Russell Wilson is remembered how to play football and the Broncos are starting to win some games and he's starting to play kind of efficiently and Sean Payton's offense feels like it's starting to take a a grip of the Denver Broncos. And I'm not saying here come the Broncos, but here come the Broncos. Maybe. Unless they trip and fall against Minnesota, in which case we'll just put them right on the afterthought pile once again. Week 11 ends with a freaking monster. Monday night football is a Super Bowl caliber game. Eagles at the Chiefs. Big ratings, big, big game. And Taylor Swift isn't even needed for big ratings for that one. So it's a hell of a football weekend. Oh, and uh, we got defensive coordinators resigning from Michigan. Again, Jim Harbaugh has been caught red-handed cookie jar doing internal things to destroy evidence. And wow, the Michigan story, which everyone wanted to say, it's really no big deal. It turns out it might be a little bit of a big deal after all. So there's something to keep an eye on if you're a college football fan. I know I will. Um, I know an awful lot of you had, an awful lot of you had your eye on the Warriors last night. They were up against it, obviously, without... Steph Curry or Draymond Green. We know that. And I don't want to be too dramatic because to try to evaluate the Warriors based on a game, a handful of games now played without Curry or, or Draymond is, is a fool's errand, right? It's, it, you, you can't evaluate the Warriors until the Warriors are the Warriors, but I don't want to be too dramatic here. This is, this is my gut and my eyes talking to me more than it even is a losing streak or just statistical data points or anything like that. But the Warriors as we know them, the Warriors as the standard operating procedure that Steve Kerr likes to go ahead and put towards every game where it's lean on the veteran, excuse me, lean on the veterans, put almost nothing on young players and rookies, The Warriors under that setup are done. Again, this is going to feel a little dramatic, but the Warriors as we knew them are finished. And if they, if they evolve somehow, they're not finished, but they need to evolve and they need to do it now. And they need to stop hoping some things happen as some things are happening and start making sure they stop happening. And I'm sorry that this brings us to Clay Thompson. 
Clay Thompson's been awful. And last night was maybe his worst night in the NBA, to be completely honest with you, because again, Curry out, Draymond out, Clay, the burden falls on you. We know that Andrew Wiggins isn't going to pick up the heavy load. It's on you, Clay. What are you going to do? Well, Clay hit his first shot and then he went 0 for 9. I mean, on a night where he needed to summon it, and this is what I've told you about Clay. He can't summon it. He can't just say, all right, tonight's the night I got to be Clay Thompson again. Here it is. He can't summon it. Doesn't mean it won't happen ever again, but he cannot bring forward the game that he needs to put on the court when it's needed the most. He can't do it anymore. He's averaging 13.8 points while shooting 40% from the field and 33% from deep. Those are not Clay Thompson shooting numbers. And 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 look, there there aren't any amount of warm memories or Captain Clay on his boat videos or paper airplane Clay videos that can forgive the production that they need from their shooting guard and they're not getting from Clay Thompson. If Clay Thompson's name were removed from these numbers, the player would be removed from responsibility. But because it's Clay and because Kerr is extra loyal, as you know, he has the right to be, it's not good. It's not good. He's slower. He can't create space. His shot is getting blocked at a disturbing level of just like Clay used to not get his shot blocked all the time. Why is it why is it happening now? These are threes being blocked. These are mid-range jumpers being blocked. It's because he can't separate. He can't separate. He can't jump like he used to. He's never been a good dribbler. He's never had a handle. And he can't get away from guys. And he can't stay in front of guys like he used to. And it sucks, but age and injuries and diminishing returns are catching up with him quickly. And the Warriors aren't afforded this great margin of error anymore. They don't have 10 games to just piss away. They don't. Andrew Wiggins, I don't even want to talk about him anymore. He's been such a galactic disappointment. It's well-documented. Draymond got admonished from Steve Kerr saying that this behavior is just lunatic bullshit, can't happen, inexcusable, can't get violent, can't be putting dudes in chokeholds. So I'm glad Kerr said that. But the Warriors need to start playing Kaminga and Moody and Pajemski and, and, and they need to play you know, they need to play Gary Payton the second who got hurt last night, which isn't good. And they got to find some minutes for Trace Jackson Davis. I'm I'm looking at a team that right now, before we've even had Thanksgiving dinner, is tracking towards too slow. And I'm not saying that the Warriors are slow or unathletic. They still get up and down the court. The problem for the Warriors is the league is faster than them now. And that's how... You know, there are very few races, whether they be among professionals or amateurs, where the guys in their mid-30s are outrunning the guys in their mid-20s. And the league is outrunning the Golden State Warriors. Not by a little, by a lot. The, The league is faster than the Warriors now. So the Warriors are devoid of speed especially with the players that they're sticking with and they're devoid of shot making. The Warriors can't play fast and they're not hitting their shots. They stand no chance to compete in in this NBA, none. So Steve Kerr needs to have a serious talk with a man in the mirror and a serious talk with his team and just say, fellas, I don't care what you are, what you've done, how many team photos you're in, or if you're new here, if you're playing well tonight, you're playing. And if you're not playing well tonight, you're not. I mean, it's pretty simple basketball coaching stuff. Guys who can't sit, guys who can play. Sorry, everyone. 
I'm not controlling your minutes. You are. Your production is making these decisions, not Steve Kerr himself. And I just think he needs to couch it as that. Boys, this is on you. This is on you to fix. I can't fix it for you. I have to play the cards that I'm being dealt, though. So if you're dealing me a shitty night of basketball, you're going to be dealt out of the hand. It sucks. But this is happening. Oh, Ted Sanchez says, cheers to the sip of the day. I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it. There's a lot of talk about A's fans, what they went through yesterday. The the requiem for Oakland. I thank so many of you for watching it. A lot of people reached out, said that video meant something, Damon. Thank you very much. Well, I'm happy to have been a little bit of a an F you to John Fisher, if that's what you needed. And I know a lot of you needed that. But like, forget about me. Forget about the fact that, um, you know, I'm like, hey, unfollow the A's. Like, I'm just I'm just a guy with a YouTube channel and a Twitter account. And I'm saying, yeah, we should unfollow the A's. Everyone who's following them, you should just say goodbye. So yesterday, it's announced they're going to a whole new market. Now, you would assume that that whole new market is so excited to get its first Major League Baseball team ever that all Las Vegas baseball fans would like instantly be following the A's. Like, here you go. You can start following them and getting to know this team now because they're going to be here in a couple of years. This is our team. They're coming. I'm excited. I'm a baseball fan. I live in Las Vegas. I am following the Oakland A's now. And the amount of new fans in Las Vegas following the Oakland A's should dwarf the number of spite unfollows of the Oakland A's. Well, the A's move to Las Vegas has been greeted with such a total thud by Las Vegas that instead of getting more than like 10,000 brand new followers, they actually lost 4,000 followers yesterday. They started the morning at 609.9 thousand followers. Right now, they're at 605.9 thousand followers. They lost 4,000 followers locally and apparently gained no followers in Vegas. Did one person in Las Vegas follow the A's yesterday? I don't know. I don't think so. They certainly can't prove it. And all I'm going to tell you is that that 609,000 followers or 605.9, whatever it is right now, how many bots were how many bots were purchased? I would like to know how many of those were purchased followers by the A's themselves to save them the cataclysmic embarrassment of nobody's paying attention to us online or in real life either. I, I, I don't trust anything they do. You can't trust a single thing, a single thing that the A's produce ever. And also, if you don't mind me saying, just karma is real, right? Uh, how about the fact that without even 24 hours passing of John Fisher declaring Las Vegas' new home, Las Vegas' biggest, most international global sporting event ever had a terrible first night, and due to a loose cover on the street and the track, they had to cancel F1 practice after charging people an arm and a leg to be at all of this. Uh, again, causation, no correlation. I'm just making it up. But the minute the Oakland A's declare we're home in Las Vegas, the biggest sporting event Las Vegas has ever held starts off on the shittiest of notes. Beautiful. It's called karma. You asked for it, Vegas, you're going to get it. That F1 race, they're saying, could be like the fire festival of auto racing. Fans are pissed. Locals are furious. The casinos are not happy. It has not been this. Anyone who bought a ticket at exorbitant prices feels like a total schmuck because everything is going for like 90% less right now. It is not nearly the hit that they thought it was going to be. And the damn thing is going to take place in the middle of the night. Why? Why would it take place in the middle of the night? To serve the European viewer? 
Well, aren't you supposed to be attracting more American viewers to your sport ever before with this? I mean, all you need for that Las Vegas strip to look really sexy in a camera shot is the sun go down. But they're starting this thing at like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. What the hell is that? Oh, Postman in Capitola. Oy, oy, oy! We got Mrs. Pluse in here. She is back from Atlanta. Boys, we're so excited to see her this morning. Not nearly as excited as I was. Honey, I've had two kids dangling off my neck for four days in a row. Welcome home. Oh, it's really good to see you too. It's great, great to have you back. Um, let's see, a couple of other baseball things. How about a good for ball? This is the perfect place for good for ball, right? Our dearly departed friend, Michael Urban, our good for ball, bad for ball segment is brought to you by Uncle Boys. Check out Uncle Boys. Delicious burger. Try the lumpia. You're going to want some Uncle Boys in your life. We love Uncle Boys. I know you love meeting. Let's just call him Uncle Boy. I know you love meeting John when he came out to Plus Mania 2 Electric Boogaloo. He loved meeting all of you. And now, go support my man. Good for ball. Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani, congratulations. He wins the American League MVP. And this is a guy who missed a significant portion of the season. But how could you give it to anybody else? Because he is so spectacular. You know, had he stayed healthy, he might have led the league in Cy Young votes, too. Um, don't even remember who they gave the American League Cy Young to. They, the, the baseball is so bad at these awards. They hand them out when they're like, no one's even paying attention. Ronald Acuna, your National League MVP. Uh, Shohei Otani, your American League MVP. There's zero buzz, zero conversation. It's kind of like Las Vegas getting a, a baseball team. Zero buzz. No one really cares. But there you are. Shohei Otani is good for ball. And look, I don't even need to tell you who's bad for ball. It's not just John Fisher. It's all baseball owners. I mean, you really do kind of wish a pox on their house, don't you? Like all you owners, you're such a group of nothing but greedy fuckers looking to ring every single dime out of a dollar that you can find, that there's no city in the world, there's no group of fans that you wouldn't screw over to make a buck. And uh, you got to read the Tim Kewen uh, article on ESPN.com. He just flambays Major League Baseball owners for this decision, how this decision came about, how John Fisher basically salted the earth of his own fields to kill the vegetables that he was supposed to be selling. And it's just, it it's mediocrity. It's worse than mediocrity. It was all by design. It's the plot of Major League where all they wanted to do was retard their own attendance to the point where they went to baseball and said, we got to move. You got to let us move. We're so helpless. Good for ball, Shohei Otani. Bad for ball. Just about everything else about baseball. And I think if Michael Urban were here today, he'd be agreeing with that. Before we get into Club Plus, I do want to wrap up with something that came about yesterday. Carissa Thompson was on the Pardon My Take podcast and she told on herself. She felt that she could tell this story because, as she said, like, I've talked about this on my own podcast and I didn't get in trouble. Well, it's a doubly embarrassing day for Carissa Thompson because what we now know is that in her career, she would just make shit up. If she weren't able to talk to a coach, she would falsely attribute coaching quotes that never happened on a broadcast and we also know that no one listens to her podcast. No one's tuning into that downloading the Carissa Thompson podcast because if you did say this and had anyone heard it, it would have been brought up. But she's joking around with the pardon my take guys and she's like, you know, there were times where I just made shit up on those sidelines. That's not good. 
Okay, that's not good. And the women in the industry have their knives out for her. This isn't just, you know, oh, the dicks and the misogynists and the guys who, you know, no, 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 no. These are women in the industry saying, Carissa Thompson, you are an embarrassment to the industry. But the single most disturbing thing, it doesn't surprise me. It really doesn't because relaxed journalistic standards are apparently all we have now. But what is the most disturbing all of this, the most disappointing aspect of all of this is that people are just like, well, you know what? The information that she shared was never really important anyways. No one listens to sideline reporters, so it just it doesn't matter. You can't trust journalism anyway. That is such a sad state of affairs, and folks, World War III has already been fought, and we are the loser of it. The best way to erode everything that is important in America is to have a full-on nationwide distrust of media, and it looks like that seed has not just been sown, but it has germinated and it has grown. People are now expecting it to be normal to not trust journalists. That is a deplorable state of affairs in the entire world of journalism. And I'm just telling you right now, Carissa Thompson needs to be fired because she has no credibility remaining. She admitted to it. And she is, what, a standard bearer of what? You can go get someone who doesn't make shit up that is just as pretty as she is to sit on the set and do her job. What makes her so special now that we know any man admitted this, he'd be fired immediately. If a black woman admitted this, fired immediately. If anyone admitted this, but what? But we, we just think she's so cute she has to stick around. The other women in the industry are out for her, as they should be, because they're diminishing. Their efforts are diminished by her admission. And the utter lack of standards that people out there are like, Damon, who cares? I don't trust journalists anyways. No, 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 no. We're not going to use your utter lack of standards to define what should be industry normal practices. It is not too much to ask. It should never be too much to ask that this reporter working on a game as a reporter isn't just making shit up to serve the moment. I don't care if you're talking about covering sports. I don't care if you're talking about covering a war. I don't care if you're talking about covering like a stupid red carpet movie opening. There should be no room for, I'm just going to make shit up. I'm just going to make up quotes in any form of journalism. And I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionist. I'm a show host. You don't see me trying to break news. You don't see me trying to file. This is the record of what happened. You don't see me doing that. There's a big difference between what I do and what she does. And the fact that people can't even identify the difference is a sad state of affairs. We have officially raised in the internet age the dumbest least standard-bearing, most distrustful of media generation that has ever been born. And if you want to know how to fight and collapse America, it was never by beating our armies on a battlefield, but rather beating the media in the world of journalism. That's how you, that's how you break America, by eroding the trust of journalism. Because the free press is what separates us from every other country in the world. And if we can't rely on that, and it has been so bastardized, it has been so distorted, and this was the plan of, if you don't mind me saying, the Republican Party this whole time, because the truth is never on their side, they need to make shit up, that Fox News has become a standard bearer of what journalism is, and there isn't a drop and shred of journalism on Fox, it's propaganda. Carissa Thompson, 
Again, she didn't go with what was actually happening. She put forward the propaganda that she needed to to serve a moment. Now, are these moments of sideline NFL reports as important as like real geopolitical journalism? Of course not. But you either have standard and normal business practices or you don't. Or you don't. You have to have these standards. Don't relax your standards to accommodate lazy journalists. Accountability is desperately needed in this world. And very few people try to shirk off any notion of being accountable because now they're the victim. Don't fall for it. And this, my friends, is hopefully part of the reason why you keep on coming back here. Because I'm not trying to be a journalist. I'm not trying to pretend I'm a journalist. But even in my opinions, I'm trying to base it all in facts and how my gut feels about things. I don't present any of this as this is breaking news. This is me reacting to news that has been broken. And the fact people can't determine the difference between a reporter working a game and a show host talking about a game is seriously disturbing. Generation TikTok is the dumbest generation, the least informed generation, the least, the most devoid of standards of any generation consuming media that we have ever seen on the planet. And it's scary. It is scary. Again, World War III has been fought. We are the overwhelming losers of World War III. There is a disinformation and an erosion of journalism that I'm going to tell you right now, go for a moment and watch all the president's men. It, it, that, that, like that doesn't even exist anymore. Actual standards. And Sven, thank you so much, Sven, for a $5 super chat. Megan at Jingle Jangle here. Damon, what is your favorite team branding in any major league? I'm talking aesthetics, uniforms, logos. Look, I've always said that the single most perfect uniform of all time is the Penn State away total whites, one blue stripe, jersey numbers, nothing else. Like that to me, I, I find beauty in simplicity. I find beauty in less than. It's why these NBA play-in season courts drive me nuts. Um, but to me, like I, like I actually think that the A's, the A's, they're their home whites where they're wearing white head to toe, but the green cap and the gold bill, like that was perfect. I thought the Giants have always had great uniforms. I think the, Ra the Raiders have great uniforms. I always like the Cleveland Browns uniforms. Again, super simple. Old school Cleveland Brown uniforms. Not like that. the word Cleveland across and the word Browns down the pant leg. Those were stupid. I think the Chicago Bears' uniforms are perfect. I think the 49ers have perfect uniforms. The simpler, the better. And the less alternative uniforms you can give me, the more I prefer. The old Warrior City jersey, perfection. Michelle Haberman, the league is caught up. The league is caught up to the Warriors and has surpassed them in terms of athleticism. And that's just the way it is. Days, you saw it too. Warriors look extra slow when they play teams like Minnesota, Houston, OKC. Those are young teams. Those are teams that got athletes that are younger and fresher and more spry than the Warriors have. But the thing is, the Warriors actually have younger, fresher, spryer athletes. Kerr's just not trusting them. He needs to reprogram himself and he needs to do it quickly. Oh, Sven says, by the way, what one that comes to mind is the Chargers powder blue unis. Those are great. 
Those are great. The powder blue jerseys with the yellow pants and then the lightning bolt helmet. I love those jerseys. Well, we saw the Tennessee Titans rock some Houston Oilers jerseys. Those look good. I, You know, it's funny. I don't like the color powdered blue. Like, I would never wear it, but it looks good on a jersey. It looks good on the University of North Carolina. It does work. It does really work on a football field or on a basketball court. So, okay. With it being F1 weekend, that A's even botched the announcement. Look, all I can tell you is that the A's and their social media and they just, whoever, whatever underpaid 24-year-old is running that is not doing a good job. Okay? Not doing a good job. Joe Schmo says, I love the kid from Santa Clara. Look, Brandon Pajemski. Brandon Pajemski. We might reach the point in this year where Moses Moody or Brandon Pajemski is is a starting guard for the Warriors. I don't know if you just keep on running Clay out there. I, you can't. Not not playing like this. Michelle is one of the four thousand to unfollow the A's. Is there a single thousand that did follow the A's yesterday? I mean, it feels like no one in Las Vegas gives a shit that they were awarded a baseball team. Like, I remember, I remember when the Raiders were awarded Las Vegas. You had people, like Raiders fans, like partying underneath the Las Vegas sign. And I mean, it wasn't a big group of fans, but at least it was something. A's, nothing. The only thing that the A's have done in the last 24 hours is buy them about as bad 24 hours worth of PR that any baseball team could ever afford. Planet sports fan is thoroughly against this. Again, there's a part of me that really wants baseball to die. I, I, I can only tell you how I feel about things, and I, I feel less about baseball now than I've ever felt in my life. I just realized, by the way, that we're in Club Plus without it officially starting, so let's officially start that. Thank you so much for tuning in. It was a great week for the podcast, great week for the channel. Thank you for being a part of that great week. Your loyalty means the world to me and my family, and I thank you. Have a great weekend. Make sure you join me. Two-minute warning. 49ers and Buccaneers should be going off around, oh, I don't know, 410, 420-ish in the afternoon on Sunday. So I hope to see you then on the YouTube channel. But I do need to remind you, and boy, it was proven implicitly this week, that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he is